Well, it's soon going to be election day in the United States, but how will the markets react if there's a long, protracted outcome? We'll look at what could happen today. Meanwhile, markets have taken a shot of positivity with shares up, the US dollar up. Some of that will be to do with the strong manufacturing numbers out of the US last night. But before the election, the RBA today. More QE, perhaps? Further rate cuts? What exactly is going to happen? It's Tuesday, the 3rd of November, 2020. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar is up again a little bit, just 0.2% up this morning. Equities, though, really are back on the up after Friday's sell-off. Well, not so much in tech stocks. In fact, the Nasdaq has switched position late in trade from about being 0.4% up to actually being 0.6% down. But the other indices are up, although they have lost ground too in the last hour or so, but the Dow is still up 0.8%. The S&P 500 up 0.6%. The Eurostox 50 uh, up over 2% at close. Bonds back in demand too. Yields down 4 basis points on 10-year treasuries, the same on 10-year gilts, a 0.4% fall in the pound. The Aussie dollar is up 0.2%. The Canadian dollar up over half a percent with oil up 1.7% for WTI and Brent this morning. And it is, it's arrived. It is the 3rd of November. Uh, not yet in the United States though, um, but it is of course the day of the US election. We have a an RBA meeting to get through first, of course, and the Melbourne Cup. Let's clear that one up first of all. Anthony Van Dyke, if you uh, is going to be the winner. You obviously have to accept the disclaimer that I haven't got a clue what I'm talking about. But uh, now we've done that, let's move on to the RBA with Ray Atrell, Head of FX Strategy at NAB. So what's going to happen today? Yeah, morning, Phil. And um, anyway, just to correct you on the on the Melbourne Cup, the important things in life, using the time-honoured tradition of uh, asking my wife and daughter um, <laughs> yeah. to look through the runners and riders and tell me who's going to win, then mm. um, is actually very elegant, the winner of the Caulfield Cup. Is, right. is, is the tip from the actual household. Yeah, there yeah. you go. You have so, absolutely <laughs> no more idea than I do, do you? Let's be honest. Now, look, RBA, uh, maybe you've got more idea on that. What's going to happen today? A rate cap? Is that going to happen? More bond buying? How much? What maturity? And uh, how is the, the market going to re- react to all of that easy questions to start with. Well, they're going to cut rates. They're going to cut their cash rate from 25 basis points to 10 basis points. They're going to do the same with the uh, the three-year bond yield target, the so-called yield curve control, and they're going to cut the um, the term funding facility rate also to 10 basis points. That is universally expected and arguably baked in the cake as far as um, bond markets and the currency are concerned. The main point of uncertainty is everyone expects some form of quantitative easing or QE program to be announced. Um, but the finer details of that, I think, is where the markets will turn today. So we are looking for a, an announcement of a QE bomb buying program. But we think that um, you know, however they phrase that in terms of, of an amount of bonds that they will buy over a period or a, a number per month, we think that that number needs to um, be in the order of, of $150 billion over time, uh, or markets need to be convinced that they will buy at least that amount if markets aren't prone to a little bit of, of disappointment in terms of how much of a yield decline we've already seen since the beginning of October when the RBA put the markets on the centre of a cut. We've seen those 10-year um, Australian bond yields actually fall below their US equivalent. So that's and is that what fall, it's all about? You know? Because I mean, if you otherwise you'd look and say, well, do, do we nearly do they really need to do too much? I mean, COVID nineteen isn't as big a problem in Australia as it is elsewhere. The weather is heating up. We, you know, the economy seems to be doing reasonably well. We had the Australian Industry Group manufacturing numbers yesterday showing a big rise. Home loans still holding up. Job numbers seem to be improving. You know, we've got a, a, a return to negative Q4 GDP seems likely in many places, but not in Australia. So it's really just keeping yields uh, on a par with other parts of the world. Is, is that what this is all about? 
Well, it is to some extent. And funny enough, if I had a, if I had a dollar for everybody who asked me, why is the RBA thinking of doing anything when they've just told you that Australia's come out of recession, I wouldn't need to be um, fluttering on the GGs later today. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the reality is that, um, you know, it's about labour market, the level of unemployment relative to a fully employed economy and how far the economy still has to travel in a northerly direction in order to, uh, to, to eliminate that sort of output gap, if you like, and get unemployment back. Um, and the, obviously the RBA thinks there's still a big job of work to be done there. Mm. Uh, and the other motive, um, as you say, so very much it is about yields and the hope and expectation of the RBA is that we will see a weaker Austra Australian dollar, although arguably um, our argument is that um, you know the, the Aussie was a big underperforming currency since the beginning of October, if you look at it across all of the major currencies. So again, we would argue that um, you know this what we expect to be announced today um, is pretty close to being discounted. So um, you know who's to say that on the day that the RBA you know cuts rates to zero point one and announces QE. The Aussie dollar won't end up higher on the day. Yeah. It's certainly a possibility. Well, it's been bouncing about a bit, hasn't it? I mean, I mean it got uh, it got it did get below seventy US cents. Um, it spent a uh, um, what well, it was up over seventy two cents uh, last month. You know, it was, it was pretty much on the upside, but we've been seeing it struggling now to get back over over seventy. So has it fallen too low? I mean, is the, and if we have a clear election result in the US, is that going to help it climb back? Well, certainly, if we do have a clear election result, we're looking for a risk-on um, environment that's probably negative for the US dollar, and, and almost, mm. you know, axiomatically, will be positive for the Aussie dollar. But, um, but yes, I think that underperformance reflects two things. One, it is that pricing in of the RBA, which I say, yeah. you know, certainly on our what we'd call our fair value models, we would argue that. Uh, Arguably, it's even a little bit overdone. Uh, but obviously, there's been some some negative headlines on various um, goods exports uh, sectors of China, Australia, yeah. Um, yeah. where China has been sort of imposing bans, tariffs, or restrictions. And you know, since the weekend, we've learned that 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 list now extends to, to lobsters. It extends to timber exports from Queensland. Um, a second barley exporter uh, has reportedly been um, suffering the ire of uh, Chinese buyers, and uh, and reports are that, that things like copper ore and copper concentrates and sugar could be the next cabs off the rank. So um, mm. clearly, you know, China, Australia, uh, international relations or, or the poor state thereof are continuing to show up in um, yeah. various restrictions, even if officially it's to do with quotas and to do with biosecurity uh, rather than political mm. that's what they're saying of course yeah but uh, underneath it all so look uh, the, the, uh, the volatility in shares generally that we saw particularly in the united states down yesterday up a lot today the same with bonds oil all over the place as well so what's your read on all of this because there's you know there's movement across all asset classes right now uh, the vix index was its higher since june yesterday it's settled <coughs> down a bit today but it's it's still up at uh, at 37 is this just jockeying for position ahead of this uh, ahead of this election? I think there's, there's there's got to be an element of that because uh, you know the election just looms large over just about every asset Everything. class, doesn't it? So, um, mm. <coughs> excuse me, but um, so there's, there's volatility, but there are specifics there. So if you look at the oil, uh, the oil market, for example, you know we were down sharply yesterday. We've had a recovery today, reportedly on um, suggestions that that Russian oil companies are in discussion with their oil minister to potentially delay the easing of uh, production. Um, curbs from sort of later this year into Q1 2021. So that seems to have helped the uh, the oil price at least. Um, equities are still showing some sensitivity to you know, economic news. And we've had that sort of outsized increase in the US manufacturing ISM overnight. And that has, um, you know, probably 
partly responsible, at least, for the rebound that we've seen in equity. So perhaps deflects a little bit of attention from the concern that um, the inability of Congress to, um, to and, and the White House to agree a new fiscal stimulus package. Maybe James Bullard from the, um, the St. Louis Fed is right that there isn't a, an urgent need there. But um, certainly it suggests that, <coughs> excuse me, cashed up households still enjoying the benefits of pandemic unemployment insurance and unable to go out and spend as much on on services so they've been loading up with manufactured goods things like cars for example and that's certainly the mm. the message from manufacturing so um you know so you can't abstract from yeah. that and then obviously you've got the covid news you know layered on top of this where the news you know isn't really getting isn't getting better anywhere is it so um so you've got some big forces here and uh, question is whether you know and then of course whether we're going to get a clear election result or not so there's so many big factors in the mix it's unsurprising that markets are sort of you know they're struggling a little bit for clear yeah direction. well i mean it does seem strange doesn't it because it's, we are likely to have a, a, a democrat president and the real possibility that democrats are going to also get the seats they need for the senate and here's vest, investors indicating this is preferable to a republican president if you read the markets but if they don't take the senate uh, I wonder if we'll see a bit of unwinding happening. If it's you know we only get half the picture, well, it's, or, it's, or, it's, or more to the point, if it's contested as well, you know, we know it's going to go on for some time, and it's not such a clear picture. Well, the contested outcome, I think most uh, certainly, um, I think, and I think most people agree that that is the worst possible outcome from a risk yeah. perspective. And we've had the playbook with the Florida um, um, two thousand or the, or the recounts in Florida and a, and a four week delay before we knew the election result. US stock mm. market was down eight percent during that intervening period. So I think if, if you know if it looks like there's a genuinely contested election rather than uh, one or other of the candidates saying no 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 I've won even though the evidence points uh, points the other way, then that is going to be the most negative outcome. And it's I think it's a uh, you know reasonable folk can disagree about whether a clean sweep or blue wave um, with Biden in the White House uh, and what that means potentially for fiscal policy is the most risk positive outcome, or whether there will be concerns in markets. About you know tax rises, regulation that uh, realistically are only going to occur under that sort of blue wave scenario is, is, is good or bad for risk markets. And you know some are arguing that uh, that Biden in the White House, but um, with this sort of you know shackled to some extent by not having Congress on his side, um, it might be uh, you know the, the most benign and potentially positive risk outcome. So um, there's mm. debate on on either of those two. And what yeah, happens? Yeah, when you get the stimulus for, through, for example. Well, you know, exactly. Is that, is that, is so that, um, yeah. yes, I mean mm. you know, obviously. The immediate concern will be: Does that mean we're going to get any, you know, um, short-term fiscal stimulus? I would suggest that we probably still will. But um, obviously, a lot of the Biden, um, you know, ten-year agenda um, really potentially goes by the wayside if he hasn't got the complicity of uh, of the Senate. So it's going to be interesting to see what part COVID-19 plays in all of this, because there's 3.1 million active cases now in the United States, about 1% of the population that's rising. And you've got hospitalizations increasing in 44 states. The key battleground states are all the ones that are faring the worst from the from the virus. Uh, and, you know, the question is going to be about Florida again this time, isn't it? Because, it, I mean, you, rear clear politics, <coughs> they had Biden on 51.5 to Donald Trump's 54.4 in, um, in that state. Only 23% undecided. Uh, that's in their latest poll. Uh, so you'd think, oh, well, that looks like a clear win for Biden then. But then NBC poll today has got them neck and neck. Uh, and there's a large number of mail-ins coming through. But again, positive news there is hearing got on Bloomberg just now that uh, they reckon 100,000 more Democrats are in those mail-ins than, than Republicans, which would seem to suggest, you know, that perhaps Biden is going to win. But this is going to be the one we're probably going to find out early on. I mean, we might, you know, t- tomorrow, middle of the day tomorrow, we might know that. 
we might, yes. I'm just looking, having a quick look back in 2016 and how quickly different states, particularly some of those key battle sta- battleground states, reported. And um, I think initial focus might be on North Carolina, which traditionally reports pretty early. It was about just after 3 p.m. in the afternoon on the day after the election that we learned the results mm. there. Uh, and that was the first indication that uh, you know the polls looked to have got it wrong, and that uh, that Trump could be could be heading for victory. Uh, Florida is clearly going to be um, you know a, a big swing state that does usually reports early. Obviously, two thousand was the exception because the election was so close. But um, you know, no, uh, um, whoever has uh, or the, the, the president has got to win Florida effectively to win the White House. That's been the history since nineteen sixty four. I think, with the exception of nineteen ninety two, when um, they opted. For for a second term for George Bush Senior, which uh, didn't work out so well. But um, so I think, um, you know, mm. in terms of trying to boil things down and say, what's the cheat sheet for, for, for tomorrow? I think North Carolina and uh, Florida will be the two that uh, will be locked onto initially, at least. Very hard, though, isn't it, to look at the cheat sheets for anything? Everything is so unusual this year with the pandemic and everything, and he, he is an unusual president. Look, uh, I was going to ask about the weaker pound. I'm sure part of that is because, because they've got this national lockdown on Thursday, but also the fact that, uh, you know, Brexit just keeps on going. Just a couple of deadlines passed on Friday. One was the uh, the EU's informal deadline for reaching a comprehensive deal. The other was uh, the UK's deadline for responding to the EU's uh, court challenge over the UK internal markets bill. Uh, both of those seem to have just gone by the wayside. I mean, the logical thing, would be, this is all just gets pushed back beyond the December deadline, just push it back six months. But I, I, I wonder how long we're going to have to wait for all of that. But we'll talk about that another time. Uh, good to talk for now, Ray. Catch you again very soon. So you can't miss any of the morning call this week because there's so much coming on. Join us tomorrow morning. We'll unwrap what was said by the RBA and look at the latest on the uh, on the election as well. That's it from me. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then.